How do you find a text or any kind of reading that you use with your students? Does it have to be a long piece of text to make sure that students really get something out of it and that you can use in a way for students to engage with the language? Well, today, Sara Barrientos Fatos, a Spanish teacher in Spain, joins me to discuss how we can take a short text and turn it into a full lesson that touches on all the communication modes. She has lots of tips to share so that you can get started right away. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you for taking the time out of your probably very busy week, I would imagine, to listen to a podcast with language teachers to think about your teaching. Makes you an incredible educator, and I really appreciate that. Before we go into our topic today, I do have to say that my voice is a little raspy today, and I'd love to say, oh, it's because I have a cold. I hear that on podcasts all the time. Oh, I have a cold. I actually don't have a cold. What I do have, a, I have a raspy voice because I had the pleasure of chaperoning our middle school dance last night. So yes, I am a classroom teacher, along with so many of you. And we all know that beyond the things that happen, the wonderful things that happen in our classroom, we are educators in a school. And sometimes that means lunch duties and hall duties and bus duties. And that, in fact, for me last night meant that I was chaperoning the seventh and eighth grade dance, which meant that I had to speak really loudly to the other adults in the room, but made it through. So I'm joined today by Sara Barrientos Vatos, and we're going to be talking about this whole concept of a short text that you're using in your classroom and how it is so much more than just spending a little time on a short text, but how much you can actually do with it and develop before, during, and after that short text with students. Because I think a lot of times it's we have to find this really invested cultural resource that has a lot of language in it. And sometimes we can have something that is really not incredibly long, and there's so much you can do with it. And I think that's something that's going to be so useful for all of us that are listening to this conversation. So I'm so excited to hear all the ideas that Sarah is going to be sharing with us. So out in the social media world and on her blog, Sarah is known of as the stress-free Spanish teacher. Isn't that something we would all love to aspire to be? So we're so happy that she's here to help us with that. Some of the ideas that she's going to share will help us to be stress-free teachers, I'm sure. So Sarah is a Spanish teacher, and she's originally from Minnesota in the United States, but she currently lives in Spain, and she also spent some time in the Netherlands before moving to Spain. And I most recently saw her speak on the topic that we're going to look at today during the World Language Teacher Summit. I got so invested in the content that I wanted 
wanted to reach out and say, can we have our own conversation about this so I can get all my questions answered? So thank you, Sara Barrientos Vatos, for being with us today on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to speak with you and, and finally have a conversation. Yes. I'm interested to hear how Minnesota to Netherlands <laughs> to Spain happened. So can you fill in some of those blanks for us? I walked El Camino de Santiago de Compostela back in 2010. And on the first day, I met the person who I would fall in love with <laughs> uh-huh. and marry. And I ended up in the Netherlands and then now Spain. We lived in the Netherlands at the time, and we decided to move to Spain six years ago. Well, that is like the making of a novel. (laughs) 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 That story right there. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. How much of the Camino did you end up walking together? We both started at the same place in France, and so we walked about 800 kilometers total. We didn't always walk together. Mm Mm-hmm. But probably the last two weeks of walking, we were together quite a bit. That is an incredible story. (laughs) Okay, so let's jump into our topic today of this idea of using a short text and really developing activities based on that. So let's start by looking at this idea of a short text. Now I'm looking in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, short text means four sentences. And it's just four sentences. But tell us what that means. It could be four sentences, but it could be other things. It could be an infographic. It could be something as simple as an ingredients list or a recipe. It could be song lyrics. It could be just one paragraph of a novel that you're studying that you want to look at closer. There are really a lot of options for finding short text and specifically texts that tie into the themes that you're studying with your students. Mm So that was interesting where you just mentioned that it can be a paragraph of something that you're reading, a longer text. I hadn't thought of short text being a part of the whole that is attached to something else, that you're not just looking for a short text, but you can Mm. take out a portion of the whole. So when we use this concept of a short text as opposed to a longer text, like what are the benefits of sometimes focusing on a short text? text rather than a longer text. So your students might be at a level, they're only ready for a short text, or you might be in a week of class where you only have time for a short text, or you might want to be focusing on something specific, a specific theme or a specific grammar concept. And so you find a short text that matches that theme for your students to be able to practice the reading concept. So short doesn't mean just for novice level. So this could be a much more advanced proficiency level, but they're just focusing on a part of the whole, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm picturing teaching Don Quixote, for example, to a more advanced class. And maybe there's a paragraph or two paragraphs that is really language rich or grammar heavy. And you want to help your students through that paragraph or two paragraphs. And that's that's going to be your focus for an entire lesson, for example. So let's go through some of the process. I think teachers are getting this idea, oh, okay, I can use a shorter text for, for some of my lessons. So let's talk through like the logistics of making that happen in our classroom. And how can we set our students up for success by preparing them before they actually engage with the text? I guess we'll call these our pre-reading activities. Okay. What do you have what do you have to share about that? 
Well, you want to set your students up for success. So you want to make sure that they understand the vocabulary that they're gonna see, potentially not all of it because there, there might be cognates and they might be able to infer certain things based on what they're reading, but just setting them up with the vocabulary that might be new, displaying the words in your classroom or displaying a bulletin board or a word wall, introducing students to the vocabulary with a questionnaire in advance, for example, or a people search. But who doesn't love circling vocabulary? That would be my number one go-to. And just to kind of get their brains working. My mind is going to the very linguistic place right now where we often refer to that as forming their schemata. You know, it's like all of those words that are connected to those words and then they start to anticipate, you know, so all these activities are priming them. Yes, absolutely. And you might want to go over some of the verb conjugations in advance, that kind of thing, and just refresh and review. So now we have our students primed and ready to take on this text in a way that has them feeling confident about it, because I think some of that pre-reading stuff is also about building confidence that they can take it on. So as they start to engage, we can look at our, I'm going to call them our during reading activities. So how can we support students while they engage with the text? By offering them different ways to read and understand the text, offering them supports while they're doing it. So for example, if the teacher can display the entire reading on the board and talk through reading, as you're reading, you want to support your students and also check for understanding. So one thing that I personally like to do is to display the reading and talk through it and read through it at the same time with my students go back, point out words, do one sentence at a time sometimes and just look right into their eyes. And <laughs> you, mm. you can tell sometimes if your students are understanding, but then you can also ask questions as you go and check for comprehension. There are different things you can do to enhance this as well. So you could read through it once, make sure everybody understands. And then the next time when they're reading through, have their own piece of paper and you say, with their highlighters, highlight mm -hmm. all of the adjectives in blue. Or if they're searching for specific information, it helps them connect with the reading again in another way. And just to make sure that we stay consistent with the colors between readings, right? It's not yes. like verbs are green <laughs> this time, but they were yellow last time, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. It, it helps them to actually dive physically into the text. Yeah, Rather absolutely. than just keeping it on the page there, right? Mm -hmm. So... We did our, our pre-reading, priming students, getting them ready. We're having them read through it and checking for understanding with various ways. And not a hugely long process, right? Because it's not a very, very long text, although it could sometimes be dense. So maybe those checks for understanding would be a little more extensive. So now we're ready to take the text that we understand and do something with it. So I guess we'll move on to our post-reading activities. What is that going to look like? And I'm sure there's lots to do here. So share some of those ideas with us. So post-reading, there are so many different activities. So many. There's really simple things like check, just checking for understanding based on yes, no questions. It can be opinion questions. But if you want to give students the opportunity to share their opinion, share their thoughts about it, it can get a bit deeper. So things like conversation task cards or have students retell the reading 
in their own words, either in the target language or their own language based on their ability level. You can have a survey that the students ask each other. If you are studying for an artist, for example, you could get deeper into it by studying the artist's life and looking at more of their work and creating an inspired artwork based off of that artist. As you're doing these different activities, do you tend to follow a similar, I guess I'll call it a rhythm, where you're doing similar activities after where students are anticipating that after we look at a text, we tend to do this conversation activity. And so when they see the cards, they know what to do. Or do you mix it up a little bit? What are what does that sort of process look like with teaching? I'm always trying to find ways to make things manageable for teachers, you know, and I think that when there's sort of the these are the go to follow up activities, do you have those that tend to be your go to's? Yeah, definitely. My go to's are conversation task cards, prehension questions, surveys, surveys and polls. And then what do you do with the and data that is gained from those surveys in polls? Like what's the next step after that? Then it can turn into a class conversation. So it could be 3% of the people here that think that mushrooms would be disgusting on your pizza, that mm-hmm. kind of conversation. Or mm-hmm. 85% of the people in this class say that sausage is the best topping on a pizza. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's it can turn into other conversations. And can you Talk us through what a conversation task card is. I think a lot of times we'll throw that out there and we make this assumption that so everybody knows what a conversation (laughs) task card is. So try that, right? So let's talk a little bit about what that is so we all understand. So the conversation task cards that I create will have questions about the reading itself. So find the fact questions. And then at the end, there are going to be questions that are opinion so that they can throw their own opinion in as well, because students love talking about their opinion. We all do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as you're doing the follow-up activities, do you also find opportunities to engage in, say, the presentational writing? Because a lot of this seems like it's the interpersonal, which we always need a lot of that in our classroom, and the interpretive is happening through the reading. So if we could just look a little more specifically at what some of that writing post-reading might look like? One of my favorite post-reading writing activities is for students to create a cartoon based on the reading and to pull specific vocabulary or verb structures out to use themselves. So they could retell the entire thing as written, or they can retell the entire thing in a completely new and original way to show off their creativity. So I think what is going to be very helpful to envision all of this is to Talk us through a concrete, actual lesson, because we've talked about theoretically, you could do this before and during and after. But I think if you talk us through an actual lesson and and what that would look like and what you do, then we can see, oh, that's concretely what it looks like. So can you share that with us? I have a lesson that I really like, and it's all about paella. And Mm -hmm. I love talking about (laughs) paella because I love talking about food. Mm-hmm. But I love talking about paella because it's, you know, a great Spanish food. So mm-hmm. this really short text that I have is just maybe 250 words. I want my students to know vocabulary in advance of reading. So if we're going to talk about all the food that's in it, I want them to know, you know, potatoes and onions and that sort of thing. So I like to 
for the first day, it's all about letting them know and get all that vocabulary into their heads in advance and just let them mm-hmm. soak that all in. So however that looks, maybe circling the vocabulary with pictures, vocabulary lists just in Spanish so they can draw the vocabulary words themselves, or individual student posters with the vocabulary on it. So lots and lots of practice of the words so that when they are presented with this paragraph, they're not going to be overwhelmed by it. So the first day would be prepping. The second day would be, okay, let's present them with this. Mm-hmm. And reading through it as a class and me guiding them as we read through it and checking mm-hmm. for understanding. The next day, then I would refresh their memory again with all the vocabulary that we're using. Mm-hmm. And I'd have them read the text again, but with, mm-hmm. with words removed that they can fill in based on, do I remember what I learned the first day and the second day? Okay. So even though it's 250 words, I think a lot of teachers hearing that. That's why I wanted to reiterate, what is this short text? So when you say 250 words, I think a lot of people are thinking that's a very long text. It's not though. (laughs) Okay. That's why I wanted, that's why I was looking for the the clarification here. (laughs) And it's less than half of a sheet of paper with 18 size fonts. (laughs) Okay. 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 And there are vocabulary word depiction so there's clip art around it mm-hmm. as to help students with visual clues as well okay okay and let's point out now that this lesson that you're talking about there's actually going to be a link in the show notes so that teachers can grab this on their own and actually try this out so we'll remind as we finish after but to let everyone know because i know we're talking about the visuals and what it looks like right now There'll be a link to Sarah's website where you can download your own copy of this. Okay, so let's keep going. So we've we've done our during reading a little bit. And now I want to see all the stuff that we're going to do with this text. So another thing that I would do with the text is show a video of paella or paella being made so that I can bring that culture alive. After reading and going through the reading and showing the video... I would start using the conversation task cards and with the conversation task cards, they can then answer with the conversation task cards. They're asked to find specific information in the reading that they can answer. And then they're asked to give their opinion about different things Mm -hmm. based on their food preferences, for example. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be helpful for, for teachers who are trying this out to have this ready made thing for them to do. And then they can say, okay, now I have these ideas of how you can go through this. And I think the most important thing is to see that what a short text is and looks like. I think that's going to be really helpful for teachers. I hope so. Yeah. So again, that link is in the show notes. You can all go there and you can download that PDF. And even if you're not a Spanish teacher, it would be helpful to get because you can see how it's laid out and what the activities look like, what the short text looks like, so that you can have that as your reference point uh, moving forward. So Sarah, I would be very interested to know how you continue to be inspired by things, not just about paella. I think you're very inspired (laughs) by paella at this point, but what else helps to continue to inspire you as an educator? The fact that I am still a student. I am now learning my fifth language, Gallego, because I Mm -hmm. live in Galicia and I'm constantly inspired (laughs) by Mm -hmm. everything around me 
putting yourself in situations where things are different is good. Mm -hmm. So what are the languages that you speak? English, American Sign Language, Spanish, Dutch, and now I'm learning Gallego. Oh, ASL in there. Interesting. And while you lived in the Netherlands, that's where the Dutch is coming from. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So that's getting to know you a little bit beyond just the stress-free Spanish teacher. But I'd like to get to know Sarah even more by pulling back the teacher curtain and the stress-free Spanish teacher curtain by playing my little game of this or that. You up for it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. So... I'll give you two options. Just choose one and maybe say why. We always end up learning a little bit more about you that wouldn't have come up in a conversation about teaching, and it's fun to get to know you a little better. So the first question is, when it comes to, say, a Jeopardy category, so if you were a Jeopardy contestant and these categories are up there, would you do better in the math and science categories or the history and humanities categories? History and humanities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, language teachers tend to go down that that realm a little bit. Although once in a while, I'll hear like a science or a biology, you know, but you're a history and humanities person, huh? For sure. Okay. And then the next one is, when it comes to food, do you prefer sweet or salty? Sweet. (laughs) Oh, really? Even though you're this huge paella fan and Uh the cooking, you're going towards the sweet. Yeah, for sure. I have a sweet Mm too. Okay. All right. And then the last one is your workspace in your desk. Say, let's look at your desk. Do you maintain a very organized, orderly desk, or is it messy, yet you still know where everything is, but other people might see it as messy? It is complete chaos to the untrained eye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no. to the trained eye i know where everything is <laughs> okay and when you're the only person who needs to know where everything is then that works right totally <laughs> excellent well i am sure that there are teachers that would be interested in connecting with you to learn how to be a little more stress-free in their teaching which seems like that would be a good reason to reach out to you so how can teachers be connecting with you via social media your blog other ways you can find me at the stress-free spanish teacher on instagram i'm the most active there and the stress-free spanish teacher.com okay excellent and those links will be in the show notes along with the link to get the pdf of the Bayer resource that sarah referenced earlier when she was talking through the lesson so before we say our goodbyes sarah i would be interested to know what sort of advice you could offer teachers do you know about the curse of knowledge i am familiar with that somewhat okay so it's a cognitive bias in which an expert is given a topic, little lot. It's a cognitive bias in which an expert on a given topic or a field of study finds it really difficult to explain what they know to somebody else, mm-hmm. especially someone who doesn't have the same knowledge base or the same life experiences, for example. Mm-hmm. So when we think of this, it's a rocket scientist might have a really hard time teaching a junior high science class (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) because mm -hmm. there's such a huge gap in their knowledge base. And the same holds true for world language teachers because we have been studying a language or speaking a language for so long that we forget what it's like to be a beginner. So 
have you ever said or have you ever heard someone say, explain this to me like I'm five years old? Yes. (laughs) My advice is just knowing that the curse of knowledge exists can help you to remember to place yourself in your student's shoes again. Mm -hmm. And it can help you tailor your teaching to the level at which your students will understand. And it comes down to being empathetic to their situation, right? Putting yourself in their shoes. Yes. My other big piece of advice is if you're, if it's possible for you, learn another language, learn a language completely out of the family of languages that you know, or that you teach. This is what happened to me when I started learning Dutch, which was completely out of my wheelhouse. I was forced back into a position where I wasn't seeing lots of cognates. I had to start from zero. It gave me so much more empathy for my my students, reminding me what it feels like to be a beginner again. I find that is very common with early language teachers, like early in their career. You know, particularly if they're so excited out of their undergrad or master's program where they're so entrenched in proud of teaching and speaking this language so well and it's try to remember what it was like when you were 14 you know and I I think we we gain a little more insight with that as we go on but often as I'm mentoring early teachers early in their careers that that's often something that we have to contend with so thank you very much for those excellent reminders of understanding our students and where they are and for all these wonderful ideas and seeing that a text doesn't have to be this very long involved text in order to make it really useful and engaging for students. So thank you for all of your insights today and for joining us on the podcast, Sara Parientos Vatos. Thank you so much. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Sara Barrientos Vatos? Hopefully you have a solid understanding of how to take a short text and turn it into a full lesson that can engage your students in all the communication modes. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Sarah and download that lesson she talked us through. Be sure to use the link in the show notes as well to leave your podcast highlight for episode number 100. You'll also see a link in the show notes to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And there are also links to get in touch with me if you would like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.